Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and we're joined by Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten cuddling up closely in an empty Allianz Arena. We're recording just an hour or so after that weird 4-3 defeat for Manchester United against Bayern Munich. Of course, we'll get into that result, but it's also been a busy day for Mr Mitten as he released the first proper interview with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer since he left the club. We'll talk about his views on everything from Ronaldo to the Glazers. Plus, we'll sneak in a preview to Saturday as Burnley welcome the mighty Manchester United. Although, Laurie, they didn't feel very mighty tonight, did they? No. It started quite promisingly, at least. Um first 20 minutes I mean it sounds like a recurring theme after the Brighton game as well um, and then Andre Onana's mistake I think changed the dynamic totally I mean maybe Bayern Munich would ultimately have found their groove in the game but that really did flick a switch um, Onana's reaction to that was quite profound in the stadium you could see him how long it took him to kind of get his mind it seemed back on the game he, he, he took an awfully long time in different poses kind of whilst he reflected on that mistake and then by the time uh, perhaps he'd, he had managed a little bit to, to put it to the back of his mind Bayern scored a second I mean that, that that's again another theme of, of this team that they concede quickly one after the other uh, it seems to go from kind of an even keel to uh, a downward spiral very rapidly well you say this team I mean there's there's so many different players yet and yet that is a recurring theme isn't it season after season as well it seems to be something that's running through Manchester United's performances, no matter what. I do feel like, in particular, this one though, as well. You look at the Liverpool game, the Arsenal games that they've had, where it's just been bang bang, um, and even you know the, the, the glimmers of hope that they had tonight. You know, at three two and and uh, well, two one and three two, and, and the Bayern go and score you know straight away. Um, it just sort of felt like Bayern could have really put their foot down in the second half if they wanted to I mean Onana to be fair to him you know, came out second half and pulled off some, some decent saves um, but Bayern had more opportunities to, to really um, stretch the lead and they kind of were in a, in a cruise control almost and if they'd, if they'd needed to I think they would have scored more so I think that's why you're, I think that's why you're right to say the 4-3 felt you know, kind on United yeah, it was about as far away from a 4-3 game, Andy, as I've seen, to be honest. I mean, obviously, you know, it is 4-3. You can't deny that that's the scoreline. But when United were sort of drifting at 3-1 in the second half, that felt a little bit more like a fair reflection. What what was wrong tonight again, do you think? I thought United started well again. I was really encouraged. I thought Sergio Reguilon um, was, was, was very impressive. I thought Diogo Dalot played well again. Uh, I can pick out some negatives. I'm sure we'll do that further into the podcast uh, individually. But as soon as United went behind and then considered a, a second goal a couple of minutes later, 
it seemed to me once again it's about moments Manchester United keep getting caught out in moments keep conceding goals don't score enough goals so it's alright us pulling strands of positivity out Rasmus Hoyland got his first goal Casemiro who didn't play well at all but still scored two goals you look at the scoreline and think well it's only 4-3 but it never felt like only being 4-3 no. it felt that Bayern Munich um, with Jamil Musiala was just a, a level above everybody else um, on the pitch I thought that uh, Facundo Palestre did okay against Alfonso Davis. I know that Davis was the Bayern player who United had identified as the greatest threat and the player who they felt would be strong, would be fast, is one of the best fullbacks in the world. So when United started well, I was thinking what I was thinking at, at Tottenham away and at Arsenal away and at Brighton at home. Okay, this is getting better. But once again, United not only lose but but concede a lot of goals and just been in the mix zone now watching the players come through everyone's despondent again and it's starting to stack up a bit now it's, it's three mm. straight defeats that mm. and this was always going to be the most difficult game in the Champions League uh, group stage it's almost like a free hit and United need to be not losing in, in Turkey in Copenhagen winning winning the home games so I'm not that concerned about about the result but just watching the team lose again it just adds to more deflation we keep discussing this on the podcast it was a beautiful day here. it's a wonderful city it's still really hot the atmosphere was good before the game 3,000 away fans the Oktoberfest is on as well I got served an absolutely atrocious beer which was three quarters froth so I didn't drink any got, of that you got a stein Do you know, yeah, you'll be proud of me I got a stein you know last yeah. night Oktoberfest yeah me and Mark Critchley, Critch, to, to, to listeners that, that might know him. Uh, yeah, we, we sampled the local. You know, when, when it's on, you've got to go, haven't you? So yeah. You've got, you got a sign you weren't a fan of it, Andy? Um, I got it. And, I, I mean, I like beer. I mean, we've discussed that Obviously, before. Obviously, that, that is your forte. <laughs> I mean, but it was Just like, beer, though. Not, nothing was, fancy, yeah? No beer. frothy. It was like 20% beer with 80% froth. And I said to the guy who actually owned the place, you're having a laugh. And he said, no, this is how we do it. We're proud to do it like this. I'm thinking, Rip people if off, you went you. to Burnley on Saturday and asked for the same thing, they give you a Benny get and a Hot. Very different reaction. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they don't serve you... pints of beer there. It's just <laughs> Benny and Hot, as we'll get onto, I'm sure. I mean, you're right. It is stacking up a little bit. You know, Manchester United conceded four tonight. Uh, that means they've got a record of conceding 14 goals in the first six games. That's four defeats out of the first six. They've conceded three plus goals in three straight games for the first time since Dave Sexton was manager. Um, we can talk about beer and Oktoberfest all night, and I'm sure we'd much rather do that, but... <laughs> Laurie's got more questions, I'm afraid. I just wanted to ask him how much he paid for it, because if he if his mind gets blown at how much, you know, these cocktails, you know, that I sometimes drink are, we paid €15 Euro for this stein last night. Right, well, right. I'll tell this story very quickly. I met a lad for breakfast. Breakfast there is white Bavarian sausages... So I'm on a table of four people, you know them, and the owner of the restaurant comes up to us and said, do you mind if a local newspaper takes pictures of you? So I'm thinking he thinks like you visit in English, but it's nothing to do with football, and I'll give you free beer and some free food, right? So he brings over these four pints of froth, clearly he's not going to charge, and I had to, I had to work today, I couldn't drink today. I had to go on the telly like Ian. 
Couldn't go on the telly with three steins down my neck, could I? <laughs> so you're complaining about free beer. So he said, so then this photographer comes over and I'm thinking, shall I just tell him I'm a journalist? This is, shouldn't, this is for the local Munich paper. So they're like, what's your name? I'm like, Andrew. And that's all I said. <laughs> I don't want that picture to come up anywhere at all. I've been sat with a big empty stein of froth. Just regaling Munich tales. How do United sort this out, Laurie? Well, I mean, that's one of the questions that I asked Ten Hag afterwards in the press conference because he was at pains, I would say, to accept that Onana had made a critical mistake, but also point out that um, Leroy Sane was allowed too much freedom to come inside and have the shot in the first place. Um, so he's saying that that is an issue of determination from his players, um, commitment, um, you know, uh, you know, which is quite stark criticism, really. It's basically, you know, they they didn't run enough, and and that's, and and then my follow up question was about the fact that, well, these goals seem to be happening again. You know, you had Danny Welbeck in all the space uh, in, in the world in the United's box uh, for Brighton, uh, Serge Gnabry, you know, all the space in, in, in like you know the most dangerous shooting positions you can imagine, and and how has he got this space? It's not like he's done this incredible bursting run to get there either. It's or or, or really smart cute moves it's it's kind of they're just in there and people are switching off so so Tenag that's what he's getting at now is that you know does he need to pick different players does he need to drill that into them in a better way or is it as he's sort of suggesting mentality and kind of players switching off or, or not having the physicality to go and, and do these runs the thing is Andy as well um I think we reflected on it a little bit um, on the last podcast. It just feels like things are not going for Manchester United at the moment. I mean, the penalty incident, for example, we've had the the marginal VAR calls in the last couple of games as well. But when things are going well, you're not relying on these moments, are you? I mean, Eric Ten Hag said after the game that they've just faced really good opposition. They've faced the Tottenham team and an Arsenal team at home that have started the season really well, a Brighton side and a Bayern side tonight, again, who are at, who are at their top level. But it's just not good enough, is it? Simple as, really. It's not, it's, it's not good enough and we can't pretend that, that it is good enough. OK, let's take the, the quality opposition line. Look at who United play next. Burnley, Palace, Palace, Galatasaray... Brentford with with four of those games at home. That is more forgiving than the games that we, we've just been through. But Wolves battered United at Old Trafford. So I'm only taking that line a little bit. I thought tactically in the first 27 minutes, Manchester United did very well uh, to stop Bayern Munich getting the ball centrally to Harry Kane. But look where that first goal came. It came right through, through the middle. The second goal came when player ran ran past Casemiro, ran past Lissandro Martinez. Casemiro was really poor tonight. I'm sorry, he was really, really poor and I don't know why he's really Worse poor. Worse than he's been? I thought he had a stinker tonight. Right. I thought he had a really... Um, at, at 75 minutes, I saw him shaking his head and I thought... Mm, I saw that. Did you? And then he went and scored two goals. He, but did, like, he did, he did. He was shaking his head, it seemed to me, at the situation. At, yeah. that, here we are again, 3-1 down, drifting through a game. And yeah. so, I mean, at least he sort of then did something about it. But I agree, the overall performance, bizarrely, for somebody who scored two goals, yeah. uh, was not good. Drift is the right word, isn't it, really, for all yeah, of them, yeah. to yeah. be fair. You know, it felt so passive that second yeah. half, really. Um, Marcus Rashford is still, when he's on the ball, you, you know he's fast. I thought he had to beat another full-back tonight, but just wasn't wasn't quite happening for him. And world-class players, and, and he, he has the stature of a world-class player, you've got to 
pull in a performance like some of them Bayern Munich players did tonight, and that's what led to the results. The the howler for the for the for the, the we need first to talk goal. about Onana, I mean, yeah, definitely. Well, it, it, it was it was an absolute howler, and soon as Bayern went ahead, you could see that United's confidence dropped. And I, I spoke to a couple of the players afterwards, just just sort of off the record, you know, as they came through and. And one of them just said to me, you're human. When, when you concede like that, your natural reaction is not to celebrate, it's to think, oh no. And to concede another a couple of minutes later, you're human. And at heart, at which teams come from 2-0 down away at Bayern Munich to win? It was so improbable. United needed to score at the start of the second half and did do, but I never felt at any point once that first goal had gone in, following that howler, and as Laurie said, Anana did make four, five, six, six out of ten saves uh, in the second half, but they were all saves that a world-class goalkeeper should be making. Yeah, absolutely. That, that howler is is his markdown for, for tonight. And, and someone shouting Bayern now. Nice one, mate. <laughs> yeah. 26 of May 99. The stadium is empty apart from a group of people just behind us that seem to be shouting. Did you just, did you just shout Solskjaer at them, Andy? That's yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all he's, yeah, that's all he's we'll, got. We'll, we'll, we'll come, come on to that, that later, absolutely. Andy, yeah. um, just on Onana, Laurie, just as a final point for this section, really. He's come out after the game, he's done the interview, credit to him, he's taken responsibility for the result. Um, and he said as well, I have a lot to prove because, to be honest, my start at Manchester United is not so good. I mean, I read the stat out before that they'd conceded 14 goals in Onana's first six matches. But how much of that is his fault? How culpable do you think he is for, for this start that they've made? How much criticism does he deserve? I think um, I think that mistake is so bad that you, you just have to accept there's going to be major criticism. I mean, David De Gea got it you know, last season when he made those kind of mistakes. I think it, was, it reminded me of the West Ham one. Will, will the criticism be be just about this mistake though because it doesn't feel like it so far it feels like it's it's been building to this point almost yeah I, I agree I agree I think I think it's probably just been because they haven't seen a, a stunning save and also then added to that there hasn't been those moments where you've seen wow this is why he's playing uh, for United you know on the ball progressive the passing I mean there was one pass actually uh, out to the wing in the there first half. From there, beautiful. yeah, was it to Rashford? To Rashford, yeah, yeah. and he so. ran onto it. Yeah, and then he beat the fullback. Was that it, maybe? Yeah, and so there was there was moments, the flickers of it, but we, we haven't seen that transformative quality that I think we expected from him. Um, you know, that being said, it, it, at least he's coming out. I mean, he 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 wasn't asked to do the interviews. He he'd said, "I want to do these interviews," which I think is a, a point to make, and that shows at least. And, and then what he's saying as well in the interviews is. I, I know I need to get better, so at least that shows someone that isn't, you know, he's not blind to the issues here, and, and hopefully that is, it's easy to talk, it's, it's harder to actually do the actions on the pitch, but at least he's got the right mindset, I think, to make those improvements. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Andy, it's been quite a day for you. Um, my first message received this morning at 5.24 was from your good self, reflecting on uh, seeing a mutual friend of ours at an airport. But far more pertinent was that at that point... On The Athletic, there was an exclusive interview with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer dropping. He talked about Ronaldo, he talked about the Glazers, he talked about, in the end, his failed reign at Manchester United as well. It was quite a get. Um, what have you made of all the reaction to it and, and how do you reflect on, on the interview itself as well? Yeah, it's been quite a day. I got up at three o'clock this morning and uh, a couple of people just said to me, you look tired. <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> It's now half past 12 at night. I've been up since three this morning. It wasn't just that. I was going heavy writing the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer interview up. I was working till 1.30 in the morning on it the night before last. Um, my feeling now, um, the day after it's come out, is that I'm pleased that I did the interview. I thought um, he was he was good. I thought I had a, a really, you know, I had a good hour's chat with him. And... I felt he was as honest as someone in his position can be. Uh, covered loads of different areas. You know, maybe, maybe it's better to what you two think because I'm, I'm sort of I've written written the thing, you know. And, and if you think it's a pile of crap, then just say it. I'm not bothered. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have asked the majority of the questions to be honest. But I mean, that's fine. That's <laughs> up to you. I'm sure. I, I was pleased. <laughs> I was pleased that he did it because I've been on at him for a couple of years to do this, and there's been a couple of times when we've been within a day of doing it and for for various reasons it it hasn't happened and I've respected the fact that he's wanted privacy I genuinely uh, respect the fact that he wants to spend time with his family because when he's in the job he just said he can't and there's plenty of football managers who didn't see the children grow up and Ollie's made a point of not only seeing him grow up but coaching each of his children's football teams Interesting he's, aspect that yeah, he's, of uh, the interview. Jim McLean, the famous Dundee United manager, great regrets. Um, yeah, didn't see my kids grow up, you know, and, and Ollie ain't going to do that. Now he's turned down two offers from Saudi Arabia, big clubs, big big clubs, huge amounts of money. So money's not his god, and he wants to manage again. So he was watching Champions League tonight. He's he's back on the roll. I think he likes the idea of coming to Germany or Spain or France, Portugal, somewhere where he can learn a new new language he's going to see David Beckham and Wayne Rooney in a couple of weeks in America and I just thought it would be a great shame if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't coach again because United fans have got a lot of affection not just because he was a good goal scorer but some of his moments as a player and when we spoke about some of them moments and he's talking about 
being in the dressing room. And I'm going to pick a positive out here because the way the news cycle works, they've picked negatives out of this Oli interview, right? Because, yeah, of course. Because Manchester United feels very negative at the moment. I'm going to ask you about them in a moment. But yeah, yeah go it, on. It, 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 it's what did he think of Ronaldo? It's negative, it's negative, it's negative, it's negative. I tell you what I love, him saying that in the dressing room after Paris, just looking round, and you've got lads who can't speak English, players singing Ollie's at the wheel, holding pizza boxes in the air, stood on the massage table, it's properly bouncing. And this ain't winning the European Cup, but we'll, we'll cling on to these small mercies. And he starts filming his players, it's the only time he, he's ever done that. And we spoke about some of the good moments, you know. I said to him, you know, just tell us how he beat Brighton again, because it seems we've forgotten. He's like, I ain't going there. You know, he, he didn't want to get, you know, he wa- he really wants Eric Tenag to succeed. Well, I was going to say one of the criticisms has been the timing of it. You know, him him speaking now, and I, I know from speaking to you, but I think you should probably state this explicitly. It's not about piling on pressure on Ten Hag at all, is it? You know, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. The Oli started a new job tonight in the Champions League alright so he this was going to become public so he only found out that that was happening on Saturday so the, 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 there's absolutely nothing to do with the um, the timing at all he couldn't even watch Manchester United tonight because he because he'd started a new job I couldn't um, for large parts real. of the second half to yeah, be yeah, yeah I know. so no I mean I think the reaction's been been pretty positive um, I saw a couple of wild conspiracy theories and you just think that's just what the internet does but I think most people were were sensible took it at face value professionally I spoke to a lot of the other journalists about it and you know they they had a a similar view as well so as a journalist you're thinking uh, hopefully job well done you know a lot of people read it inside Manchester United and well they've read it you know they don't have to agree with it pretty senior people so I'm, I'm glad he's spoken and he's entitled to speak and I'm glad that he spoke yeah I'm glad he spoke to you as well because it means we get to talk about it on the podcast I mean Laurie obviously Andy said before that some of the headlines that have been picked out of it are about saying that the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo turned out wrong saying that some of his players thought that they were they were better so, yeah some of his players thought they were better than they actually were Um what stood out to you from what from what Solskjaer had to say? None of it. <laughs> Do you mean I've read it? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I read it very rarely this morning. Uh, no, <laughs> you have read it because I, I saw read your it, glowing yeah. message <laughs> to Mr. Mitten yeah, on the yeah, WhatsApp group. I was group. the first yeah. one to, to come in, wasn't I, with it? Yeah. I, I felt compelled afterwards to say I, I something. Did, I did not so, yeah, one but two on. emojis. I did a, a clappy hand emoji <laughs> and the, the arms up in the air emoji. <laughs> I was so pleased with it. Um, and I think it's actually just worth reflecting. I mean, Andy gives me props all the time for you know stuff that I've done. And, and I just think... I'm, I'm sort of full of admiration for the fact that you've you've got this relationship for years, you know. And I know, and it's interesting. You, it's a long you did road. another piece as well where you sort of talked about it and how you didn't necessarily have that close relationship when he was a mm. player, but obviously just cultivated it. And you know, you, you, he's got that trust with you, so that and it does take. You have to keep knocking at that door rather than it just being you know given to you on a plate. And also the, the kind of questions you ask and the, and the way I thought was really interesting. I just I just thought his overall impression of United and, and as Andy says he, he probably he can't say the full truth of, of what he wants to say uh, even now I don't think but 
Well, he was he was quite reserved on the Glazers, yeah. for example, wasn't he? He's probably been more outspoken about them in the past. Yeah, in yeah, when he was a player, I suppose. And I think the but the, but he gave enough indication of what it's like to manage Manchester United and just the the difficulties, yeah. the constraints that you have. And you know, I know Eric Ten Hag has been able to spend a lot of money, but there's also still those those kind of constraints that happen in terms of the transfers and the, and the kind of uh, the speed of regeneration that you'd like to have as a, as a Manchester United manager. Um, so I, I thought I thought that was really interesting aspect to it but just generally that you know the get and also you know the, the kind of in-depth stuff it's, it was it was it was it wasn't just the superficial stuff I mean obviously the Ronaldo thing was it was the, was a big headline just because it was the first time he said that you know outright um, but even like a little bit like Sancho he prefers to play on the left that yeah like a, bit of a, bit of a, a bit of a throwaway line but probably that's that's quite pertinent I've said that on this pod before you know because yeah. I've heard it before I think Gareth Southgate knew, knew, knew that as well so so why buy him mm. You know, the understanding was that um, he, w- he would play on the right, but he preferred to play on the left. So it's. it's a bit I think it was quite telling in the way that Solskjaer told it, Andy, as well. I mean, he's talking about an exhaustive search mm. and a right winger being highlighted by the Manchester United recruitment staff in Jadon Sancho, who actually, when you speak to him, prefers to play on the left hand side. I mean, I, I thought that was quite a, a pointed criticism, actually, when you when you take that in, at, at full. And yet he also said, no, I wanted Sancho, it was me, I was manager, and I think if he wouldn't have held his hands up, he would have looked ridiculous, but he said, I should have started Nemanja Matic in the final, in in Gdansk, for example. Uh, Well, that was another thing that was fascinating, he'd not watched that Villarreal game back, he'd not watched his final match. So he lied to me then, didn't he? He lied to me six months ago, because he told me he watched all of them. Apart those from, apart from those yeah and the Spurs one at home as yeah. well wasn't it when United had, had lost heavily yeah as well. and he knew he'd lost the, the job at Watford like the biggest lessons but isn't that like do you not watch those to like truly understand what went wrong I don't know maybe I'm thinking about it too much he, he just said I, I, I just can't do it I don't want to punish myself th- that much um, the Watford game. I thought that was interesting. He knew he lost the fans at Watford, which that he was, clearly that was had. Inter- the half-time talk. The yeah, was yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, he knew he'd lost the job. No one yeah. had told him, and I just got this image of him going back to an empty house with his wife had just gone back to Norway. And he just missed the play because <laughs> he'd just been sacked, and then I think there's a real human element uh, to him. I think he's a a genuinely good person and his life has been a success but he also knows that football is a results business and also that Villa game you know when the penalty was missed I I felt at the time oof oof but when you look back it was the first defeat of the season so why did we feel like that United had been top of the league a week before it is. I was surprised at that run again because I agree with you. I was like, by the time he got sacked, it was like it was inevitability. Yeah. But yeah, when you say that, that was the first loss. I think it was because they'd finished second and it was, right, these are the guys that are going to challenge us for the title. Oh, it was because of the penalty and it was because Bruno, Fernandes and Ronaldo looked like they were arguing together and it was at the Stratford They, they, end, they, they were the arguing, by the way. And Emi Martinez had danced around and done all these things about, I want you to take it, Ronaldo, uh, Bruno, not you, Ronaldo. And it, it was all that as well, Yeah, it was. It? And, and they were arguing, by the way. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, I mean, it was a mess. And then that Everton draw, that's when I felt the fans had lost Ollie. The moderates, as I used the, 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 the term at the time. Yeah. I think most people would have loved it to, to work out for him. I felt he, he feels a bit stung by this narrative about him that he's, he's, he's somehow clueless tactically. So I got him to talk in depth about tactics 
and and he did and I, I know that a lot of coaches because I'd spoke to them and they've got no idea who I was or who I supported I just like Unai Emery for example had, had told me um, about uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics and I, I hope he gets a, a decent job again uh, I hope he comes in the Stratford end to watch a game with his two boys and he will do his name got sung tonight didn't it of course you know yeah, straight out the gate. He yeah, put he the did. Ball in the Germans' net. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was, did. And that it, was the high point for the fans, maybe tonight. Maybe he 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 really hopes that Eric Ten Hag makes Manchester United successful again. Okay, well, if you want to read more about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his first interview since leaving Manchester United with Andy Mitten, of course, it's on the Athletic. Thoughts on who Manchester United missed out on in the transfer market, which again were were extremely interesting. And his full thoughts as well, of course, on the Glazer ownership as well. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic and you want to read that article and all the great stuff on Manchester United, you can sign up now for £1 a month or $1 a month for the first 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Right, here we go then. On to Burnley. Benny and Hots all round and three points for Manchester United to end this miserable run. What do you reckon, Larry? I mean... Well, that was yeah, not the sorry. Word I, I, I keep making all these noise. weird noises, don't I? When you've, you've asked me a very pertinent question. Um, yeah, I was hoping you'd like last five. Come on, put it in. We can do well, it. I mean, they've shown they can score goals even against you know a Bayern Munich team that I think are the second favourites um, to win the Champions League. Uh, although, yeah. they, Rasmus Hoyland's got his first Hoy- Manchester United Ho- a goal. A really good finish that as well. And it reminded me of the one that he uh, scored against Brighton, where he's kind of. Quite a big deflection. I know, but yeah, I think, if, I, think, I think that actually gives me more confidence because you know all, all good strikers, you know, just just get the shots away and, and they, don't care, ways. they don't care how it goes in. Yeah. But he, he managed to he managed to wriggle himself into shooting opportunity, which is what he did against Brighton as well. Um, so yeah, at least I think he I could well see him score at Turf Moor again to keep his run going. Um, his run of one. <laughs> I'm sort of counting his bright one. <laughs> It's what we're clinging on yeah, to. Run, God, goal scoring runs yeah. of one. Yeah, Casemiro scored more than him tonight, but we're not talking about yeah. his run. No. Um, but I mean, a Burnley. But I think Burnley under Vincent Kompany, they're obviously a good, you know, progressive team. I mean, the one thing is that they they've defended quite high, haven't they? No, you, you, you're going to come on. You, you you give us the tactics the, the here because you've seen the, them more than me. But they defend quite high, and Rashford. They have done. They have, have done. They dropped. But but. Yeah, Nottingham Forest not so high. Um, interviewed Jordan Bayer as well this afternoon, one of the one of the centre backs. Um, and the game against Forest again. I was there on Monday actually. Yeah, they brought Charlie Taylor into the team and Josh Brownell as well. They did name extremely young sides. Um, You're a closet Burnley fan. Monday. No, mate. I, I get paid to cover matches I know at you, Manchester I, United sometimes similar to yourself I know you, I know you go so. on the telly and do all that but what was the last Burnley game you missed <laughs> uh, the one where they got battered by Tottenham uh, the next one I'll miss is on Saturday as well unfortunately because I'm going to be at Manchester City but um, oh he's done me there yeah, already yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. so you're not going to you're not going to see Hoyland's uh, no. goal scoring <laughs> run continue then. but in terms of that um, they haven't started well there's no question about that I mean they They've been given a lot of compliments because last season was so good, but it's been a huge transition from last season to this season for them. The one thing that Manchester United fans will notice who go to Turf Moor this weekend, or even people who watch the game, this isn't Burnley. I don't know what they've done yeah. with Burnley, but this yeah. isn't Burnley. Um, I did the opening game of the season. There you go, more fuel to the fire, Andy, against City. And it, even the whole feel of Turf Moor, I was interviewing... 
American sporting superstars who are investors in the club, you know, pre-game, that the old like wooden signs have been replaced with LEDs. The the seats are extra padded now in the in the director's box. It just it just doesn't feel like Burnley. The team is unrecognisable from the side who were in the Premier League last time. Um, and, and as I say, they brought in Charlie Taylor and Josh Brownhill to the side against Nottingham Forest, which just sort of fir- firmed them up a little bit. And, you know, they probably had more Premier League know-how between them than the rest of the side. So perhaps it's not going to be as easy as Tottenham found it, as Aston Villa found it, as Manchester City found it, but United need to win. Simple as. I think, I think United will win, but... I'm just going to keep that between us and if, if you want a public prediction I'm going to say we're going to lose 3-1 I'm going to try a bit of reverse like psychology you've told me loads about Burnley Burnley this season I know you went away with them pre-season <laughs> you, you didn't miss a game pre-season didn't so have to travel I feel like I know a lot about did, them well, I'm confident yeah. <laughs> well, they, they've got revenge on the mind aren't they United after getting beat 3-0 by Burnley in the uh, behind the Closed doors, yeah, yeah. friendly at Carrington. Yeah. And I've got a little little uh, tidbit for you there. The Burnley players absolutely loved the new chef Omar at United, so they got to eat after this doing this game. And apparently, you know, it, the, the 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 cuisine on offer was was genuinely some of the best stuff they've ever eaten. So, well, <laughs> that's the one thing that's not changed at Burnley. They still get fed meat pies after the game, so no wonder they enjoyed it. But the players do. <laughs> no, messing. Obviously, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is a really important game this now though Andy isn't it joking aside you know th- th- yeah. this is the point where it definitely has to change you can forgive them maybe a little bit not not getting a, a victory at Bayern Munich tonight but Burnley is a totally different prospect isn't it and you know you look at the league table yeah. you don't want Burnley to go above United either do you or even threaten it so we need to win no a, w- a, a defeat against Burnley and the mood drops another 20% and you're starting to talk serious um, you know badges cracking right open on the back of newspapers and, and you can lose in Bayern Munich but but to lose there and United have lost there um, I've seen United lose there a couple of times um, it, it, I'm not going to say disaster because it's only a game of football at near the start of the season but it would be unpalatable Laurie after the last pod there was a few people commenting um, on the Athletic app, also on social media as well, about the idea that Eric Ten Hag might be under pressure. Now, I don't think we were quite reflecting on that exact point. We were asking questions of him, of course, you know, that that's normal, but I don't think we were questioning his future. Um, that said, these next few games, Andy read them out before, they really do need to be a turning point for him, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think the credit in the bank is there clearly from last season winning a trophy and the Champions League situation, and also how much authority and power the club have, have given him. You know, in, in various aspects of the club, that's what he wants, and and, and I think they have, uh, whilst perhaps not supported him in certain ways in in. You know, in in the round, um, I think they've also you know given him a lot of backing in terms of allowing him to make decisions about you know, as we've touched on earlier, Cristiano Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho is the current one at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're not at that stage yet. But clearly, you know, if if they if they keep losing matches, if they keep conceding goals like they are, then those questions will, will you know uh, become louder. It was actually. Uh, funny today because we went to the youth game uh, before. Yeah. So after, after Andy had had his frothy pint, uh, me and Andy went to um, the, yeah the UEFA youth, youth game against Bayern Munich, and, and that's a, 
uh, their, their academy uh, Bayern Campus which is a, a beautiful um, site where they've got a, a stadium that's kind of purpose built I think it's for the women's team predominantly but, but the academy it's perfect for them because you can overlook it and and it's you know it's got a good atmosphere. It's right by the Alliance Arena, so that, you know it's kind of God. I'd love United to have something like that. Yeah. And we uh, we bumped into a, another former Manchester United manager in Ralph Ranick. Really? Yeah. So he was there watching. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had a little little chin wag with him, and, and we thought, Andy, could you be getting two former Man United managers in the same day? Imagine that. And then obviously, what did you mean? Is this what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'd, I'd love to know his, his true thoughts on what's going on and how much you can really change things. I mean, Ten Hag's talking about standards, isn't he? That's his big, big thing, and I think that's sort of what Ralph Rangnick was, was getting at. And he, he never had the chance; he was interim manager, and he certainly had failings himself. Uh, you know that we've, we've written about. Um, but then there was obviously some, some, some uh, sharp wits who, who suggested that well, you know, we might not be too far away from having another um, former manager, and, and, and that is very much tongue in cheek, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Burnley. But they have to beat Burnley. You know, if they don't beat Burnley, then yeah. that, those kind of, you know, just that disquiet perhaps gets a little bit louder. Andy, final point. Beat Burnley. Do the next podcast with Summit to smile about for for once. It's it's starting to drag in it. You know, the three straight defeats, and I think United need a lift, and that might come from from a win. It might come from a standout performance it might come from great goals but in Manchester United really do need a lift at the moment yeah I think we can all agree with that um, Andy Laurie I'll let you go and get the last Metro see if you can get your lift home yeah see if you can grab a yeah, stylus the last Metro it's not so frothy <laughs> I've got a bed mate I'm, I'm whacked yeah you've been yawning the way through this I thought it was me and Laurie chatting but I th- it's obviously the early yeah. get up but um, are you going out no I'm writing my piece yeah <laughs> yeah thank you both for your company thank you for cuddling up in the, uh, are you in the? I don't think we established this. Are you actually in? Oh, we're still in the press. Oh, yeah. Box. I mean, look at this stadium. Seventy-five thousand seater. Wow. Really is. Wow. So we're looking over an empty Allianz Arena. A big Bayern Munich badge is there. A nice green pitch, and uh, we'll be glad to see the back of that place. I'm sure. Um, considering Manchester United suffered that third straight defeat there tonight, we're going to say goodbye. So Alvida Zane, Laurie, and Andy, Alvida safe Zane, journey Pat. home. <laughs> Thank you Thank for joining you. us. I've just got a chance now as well to tell you that there is a piece on The Athletic from Adam Crafton saying that Manchester United's strategic review is still ongoing, according to Chief Executive Richard Arnold. He's apparently told club staff that they need to hang tight and be resilient. I think that pretty much is Manchester United's motto at the moment. But thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one, whatever happens at Burnley. Take care. Bye-bye. The Athletic.